Let's talk about all the violence in the Old Testament. This Let's week go. we're going to be doing something a little different. I'm back with Josh again. Yeah, what's going on? And um, we're gonna we're gonna kind of jump into something that might be, I don't know, it might be heavy for some of you. The violence in the Old Testament, and we're doing it as a supplemental piece to Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, we are adjusting our services a little bit, and um, and so I was going to be preaching through the story of Joshua. Uh, and I'm not going to be doing that on Sunday. We're going to be doing something special in our services live. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did want us to begin to onboard um, some big ideas as we move into this section of Scripture as a church family, yeah. uh, where there is this. There's a lot of violence in the next few books of the Bible. Yeah. And um, and so let's let's talk about that. Let's do it. Let's dive in. All right. So um, Joshua. The, probably the big famous one is Joshua fighting the battle of, of Jericho. And uh, there are, especially like in some of the deconstruction stories of mm-hmm. people. And so by deconstruction, I basically just mean people grow up in the church. Yeah. And kind of, yeah, take apart aspects of their faith, try to figure it out. And hopefully at some point reconstruct it again more clearly yeah. or, or in a way that makes sense. Yeah. They, they, they deconstruct their faith. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes... Uh, well, I think God does often reconstruct it, but sometimes yeah. they can go years where they right. just are lost they and just kind of leave it. Yeah, mushy. Yeah. Yep. And um, one of the common ones for that with people is as they go back and actually read Scripture, kind of in the beginning of the deconstruction process. For some, is they really pay attention to how violent. I mean, Joshua judges that section right. of Scripture actually is, yep. and. Uh, I mean, like in Exodus, you get some of that, you know, you definitely get some of that, that violence for sure. The Tower of Babel, I mean, there's little bits of that all the way through there, but it gets kind of detailed in some of the stories right. when you get into Joshua and Judges. And I think the, like when people will say things to me, just a few years ago, I had this happen again. I was leading a small group and uh, one of the guys is like, I'm down, I'm a follower of Jesus. I do not think the God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of, mm-hmm. of the New Testament. And in drilling it in, he's landing on these stories. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, even though he didn't know that, but it's these stories that he had heard. Yeah. Like, didn't God command people to go in and like genocide uh, a whole a whole people group? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Joshua and Jericho, you know, mm-hmm. at least that's the way it feels. And so I guess I just want to pause and uh, and I don't want to turn a blind eye to what is there. Right. These scriptures are violent. Mm-hmm. They just they just really are. They really are that violent. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. And I guess even Josh, you being a young adult, I don't know that I still am 43. That probably makes me <laughs> not a young adult anymore. <laughs> hey, whatever. Keep moving the line. It's uh, good. But do you, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I'll just keep making it older. Do you, do you feel, um, do you feel like this is a heavy issue for people? Like the mm. violence that's found in here or. Yeah. I mean, I, I see among friends, especially like younger friends, they, they find a hard time reconciling like any kind of um, violence, any kind of uh, taking of life as like good or, or seeing that as any way being God sanctioned or God would be okay with that. And basically the idea is um, Jesus was about things that are merciful and he's about taking care of the poor and he's about love. So, how could 
you know, Jesus be the same God as one who is taking someone's life. Yeah, the turn the other cheek. Yes. You know, the last, the lost, the least. Yeah. Open your home to the outsider, yeah. the foreign, the refugee. Yeah. And how it feels like the foreigner, God's like, just take him down, take him out. Right, you know? right. Um, and the pinnacle of that is it, it's like Joshua and Jericho. It's kind right, of like yeah, the, that's the a main example. place people will kind of point out. Yeah, and it's not the only one. I mean, there are right. a number of really violent stories right. in there. Um, and you even get to like King David and stuff. I mean, yeah. there's some stuff in there that's just, it's, it doesn't feel like the nature of Jesus that's portrayed right. in the New Testament. Right. Um, it feels different. I, I think a couple things come to mind and we'll, we, we can talk specifically about that and then get a little bit more like philosophy, yeah. big picture. Yeah. Um, first of all, I would just say the, the Bible, especially in these sections of scripture, it is equally, uh, it's telling us what the world is really like. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not it's not merely saying God orchestrates this. Um, it is it is God saying this is the way humanity works mm -hmm. is a is a huge part of mm -hmm. it. And and Canaan, especially through this section of scripture, Canaan is unbelievably violent. Yeah. Um, I, uh, one of the illustrations we talked about before, you, we you zoom into a little picture. So it's like uh, you, you're if you only read the story of Joshua and Jericho, it feels like. It feels like the people in Jericho are hanging out, having a grand yeah. old time. And then Joshua starts marching around and death and destruction enter yeah. the community. Uh, but in reality, you know, Jericho, the people of Canaan, they are an incredibly violent group yeah. of people. Um, what you find in different, even in Deuteronomy's other sections of scripture, the, the sexual sin yeah. and horrible things they would do to people, the, the child sacrifice that was really common in, in the land of Canaan, yeah. um, they were incredibly violent. And so, like, it, it's it's almost like if you were to, if I was to to say that, you know, there was a guy hanging out in his really nice penthouse, relaxing, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, ten guys in black in black masks, mm -hmm. you know, break down the door, run in, you know, kill all of his friends mm -hmm. and grab him and drag him out, mm -hmm. um, and then make a spectacle of him and shoot him and throw him in the ocean. It sounds that if that's all you have of the story, yeah, we naturally think, oh, that poor guy in the penthouse that yeah. was hanging out. Yeah. But then if I tell you it was Bin Laden. Right. And the bigger story is he had orchestrated countless beheadings mm. and killed tons of people. Right. And, you know, the trade towers fall and right. thousands and thousands of innocent people have been killed. And his people under his command have raped and pillaged yeah. and, and cut limbs off individuals. And he was literally planning and trying to do this again when he was stopped. Yeah. It changes the story when you yeah. read the big picture. Yeah. And so I think with a lot of this, um, it, we have to realize what is actually happening. The Bible is revealing what is what humanity yeah. is really doing. Yeah. Um, and so Joshua isn't this violent individual coming into a peaceful place. Canaan is a land of horror. Yeah. And Joshua is being allowed by God to be a stopping agent to that. Yeah. That's really important from a meta perspective. Yeah. I've, I've heard a lot about like the different people groups around uh, the people of God, around the people of Israel, children of Israel, uh, they're practicing, you know, child sacrifice, and they would, like, build their children into walls, yep. you know, if they wanted things to go well at different points, they'd bury children, and yeah. just really terrible stuff. And I've actually heard, and I think you touched on this, you know, weeks ago in a sermon, that 
the story of Abraham and Isaac is a pointed moment where Yahweh is actually communicating he is not like that. That's right. You know, that he does not do, he does not accept child sacrifice. Instead, That's right. he provides. That's right. So even with that lens, it's like the people around them are practicing really barbarism and, and killing each other. And yeah. it's it's kind of a, a horribly toxic environment. Yeah. yeah that is around them and God is trying to differentiate a people who will listen to him from them. Yes. To, to act in a way that is uh, loving to one another and create a culture. But it, you do feel the disconnect of that. Cause it's like God wants a people who will act, you know, in love towards one another. And so there is violence being practiced. And so it's understandable why it's like, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to reconcile that. That's right. And and you, you, I mean, this is even, so if you read Leviticus 18, Deuteronomy 12, it'll talk more about the violence of the people of Canaan, you yeah. know, and, yeah. uh, and, and even history. I mean, my goodness, you're right. Um, you do have people that have gone there and they do archeological digs and, oh uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. The stuff that they would do to children and, and do it's to horrible. women. Um, yeah. And I, it's it was a very violent people group. Mm-hmm. And so the land of Canaan is this. God literally brings Joshua. You have another parting that happens as yeah. he makes his way into the land of Canaan. Yeah. So they, you know, they have the, the Sea of Reeds, the, you know, the Red Sea. And then there's another parting that mm-hmm. happens with Joshua. And he walks into this land yeah. and all of a sudden the promised land is a poisoned land. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people of God are right there in the middle of it. And, and there is this purging that's mm-hmm. going to take place. Now, if you follow the story of the Israelites all the way through, there are times when they passively march around Jericho and they are making it very clear who they are, what they're about. They, the people of Jericho absolutely knew who they were. Mm-hmm. And as they're marching around, making themselves known. Um, and then you have times when they are more overtly violent. And there are times God even punishes them for taking things too far. Mm-hmm. And so... It is, it, there is a punishment piece to this that God is allowing to have happen, but God absolutely is, in a sense, holding them back from doing it too, too much. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, it is controlled. It is mm-hmm. a controlled. Yeah, containment. Uh, I've heard that before. Like, yeah, God is containing a, yeah, a, a culture that is very evil. Yep, that's right. And then another thing to remember from these. So when you read, when people read again, the little. If you're just reading in the story of Jericho and the Joshua gets into its like poetic every once in a while in, in these books, it'll right. really hit like a sometimes it feels more like a history. It's like listing details yeah. of what happened. And then sometimes it'll hit like a song. Right. Or it, right. it gets very poetic. Yeah. And when you land in the poetic parts of it, it'll it'll be like, you know, we annihilated them all. There was none left behind all this kind of hyperbole language. Yeah. Um, and. If you keep reading, you realize they're celebrating victory and God's dominance over those evil acts. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, when you get a little further and you look, um, you know, especially in even in Joshua, he will give instructions on how to do business deals or yeah. don't marry these people. Or so clearly there isn't an actual genocide taking place. Mm-hmm. It is linguistic artistic hyperbole at some level even according to the book itself yeah yeah um that is playing into this yeah like uh, when it's like annihilated all of them or left none of them alive or something yeah. like that yeah that's right because it gives instruction just even a little further on in the book i think it's deuteronomy 15 if i remember off the top of my head 
uh, where it literally is like giving instruction on how to interact with these mm-hmm. people that shouldn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and we also find in scripture that many of them, we even had a turn of heart and they were brought in. I mean, they literally mm-hmm. kind of become, they, they have the opportunity to become followers right. of Yahweh too. Right. You see that with Rahab That's in, right. in Jericho and her family. That's right. So yeah, I've wondered that before too. Is there some providence of God that he he knows the people whose hearts would turn like mm-hmm. towards him like I don't know that's right well and and you find also if you go all the way back to the story of Pharaoh mm-hmm. um, it's absolutely possible for somebody to turn their heart so dark yeah that God literally he's like fine I'll allow you to yeah. have what you believe you want yeah it gives him over yep. yeah and and to the fullness of its yeah. darkness yeah um, and there's even in the New Testament, there's evidence of, of that where he gives them over to the yep. depravity um, of their heart. And so in this man, the way this is lined out, including the poetic stuff, including the big picture, including the rest of the text. So historical, contextual, um, even like the grammatical stuff in the artistic mm-hmm. work. As you look through this, it's clear that God is wanting to fully annihilate what is evil. Mm-hmm. And he is wanting to rescue people who are willing to be rescued. Yeah. And there are some people yeah. that are so dark, yeah. so committed to their darkness mm-hmm. that it's literally better that they be removed from the planet. Yeah. All yeah. of those things are a part of this story, yeah. um, which yeah. is what makes it realistically complex. Yeah. Yeah. And you see sort of that inner dialogue with uh, God and his people with Lot and like Sodom and Gomorrah. That's right. Where he's saying, you know, would you spare it if there's so many righteous people? And God's like, yeah. Yeah. You know, he's willing to yeah, yeah, willing to work with what he can, but Lot is unable to find people who will submit to God. Yep, that's exactly exactly right. And then, uh, you know, I think it's also important to when we talk about God putting favor on the Israelites, um, their story is very complicated in this. Uh, the way the scripture actually portrays the Israelites, they are not flawless heroes, right, that enter into a land. They wrestle with faithfulness to God, too. Oh, yeah. And when they start to participate in things that are dark, yeah. God allows them, yes. the violence that they put out, God allows it to fall back on them yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's important to note that even with the Israelites, God is not saying, hey, they are all of their, if my getting behind them is going to support whatever they want right, to do. No. Um, God is absolutely saying, um, I can use you as long as you're faithful to me. Yes. But if you start to adopt their kinds of darkness and yeah. their kinds of violence yeah. and their kinds of hoarding, yeah. The darkness, that darkness is going to consume you too. Yeah. And there are numerous stories where that happens. Yeah. To the God's ground people. opens up when they're complaining. <laughs> it's yeah. like swallows they, them alive. Yeah. That's like interesting. Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Then you see um, situations where God's people go into exile and that's other right. nations are ruling them and they're yep. slaves. And mm-hmm. God, in different points, uh, specifically with Babylon, it, it actually says that God kind of initiates that. God allows that in and maybe even yeah. causes that to happen as a teaching mechanism for his people. Yeah. And what we do find, even in the most violent sections of Scripture, what we do find is every evidence of a heart that wants to follow God gets to. Right. Yeah. Even Rahab. Yeah. Somebody that is totally immersed in the darkness. Mm-hmm. 
somebody that has been doing very dark things, somebody that yeah. comes from unbelievable brokenness. Yeah. Um, if there is a heart that really does want to follow God, you can. Yeah. You can. Um, and so e- even in God trying to uh, stop the relentless violence of, of Canaan, even as God is trying to like bring it into it or even come at these people, take a people, undo a civilization's way of operating in all of this. Whenever in a sense, a hand goes up and says, I I would rather follow Yahweh. I don't, I don't like the violence of my community. Every time a hand goes up, even if you are not, you know, an Israelite, you, you can be saved. Yeah. Um, In a sense, you can be saved. And that, that is, I think the real unveiling of God's heart is even no matter how violent world you have come from, yeah. whether you are a Roman soldier, you know, or whether you are a, a Jericho, you know, guy that has had prostitutes. I mean, yeah. whatever it is, when you have that true change of heart mm-hmm. that says, I, I want in, I want to follow yeah. God, yeah. you can. Yeah. Um, and that, I think, is the biggest revelation of the 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 true drive of God's heart, right. annihilate the evil, mm-hmm. and the ultimate goal would be to rescue the people. Yeah, um, yeah. And sometimes we we look at situations without full context, and we think anyone who is causing harm to another person, it is unjust. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's not always the case. When you're protecting someone else, yeah, um, that would be very just to like yeah. stop someone from. Yeah. You know, even modern day, you see people who are yeah. um, committing terrible acts of violence, like, yeah. you know, shooting up a movie theater or something, and someone stops them. Yeah. And that is an act of justice, yeah. a, a good act. Yeah. And even like with the movie theater example, if you have, if all you do is say there was an individual in there and somebody shot them, but if you're right. like that individual was acting in terrorism and killing yes. a bunch of other people, yes, y- you just, you have to keep when you find these sections of scripture, yeah. keep reading broader. Yeah. And it does help create some level of understanding. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important to acknowledge too, it, it probably will not bring you to the place where all of scripture always makes you feel good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There is always going to be a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have it figured out as much as you can, but then even you get to, we just you know had Easter last week, you get to the resurrection and it's like, there's, there's really no way to to believe that without faith yeah. because it's not possible. That's right. It is it is it is mysterious. And like so let's let's take that idea of of violence and let's kind of look at the meta arc of scripture, the big the big working of it. So Old Testament all the way through to New Testament. When you land on Jesus, um, and and Tim Mackey, he he does a good job unpacking some of this. So does Keller. There are a few different authors that write about this. Um, Jesus, in a sense, he is taking like all this violence, all the brokenness of humanity, any heart that says, I want you all the way back to the old Testament, any heart that says, I want Mm -hmm. you, God, uh, Jesus, in a sense, takes on all of the violence and brokenness. He takes it upon himself. And there is a mystery in this. That's hard to wrap our brain around. Um, and the way I talked about it in, in our Easter Sunday sermon, if you've not listened to it, you can go back to the prior uh, podcast and listen to the message. But in the Easter sermon, the way I talked about it is 
if you travel around now, almost every church you walk into, there's a cross mm-hmm. in the center of it. Yeah. Um, so many people, lots of people wear crosses as jewelry. Yeah. You know, um, people have crosses on their Bible covers, yeah. they have crosses in their home. Um, when the cross was 500 years more than that, arguably, if you go all the way back to Mesopotamia, so you go back maybe a thousand years, yeah. um, you know, putting people on a pole and burning them. Mm-hmm. But the cross, by the time Jesus landed on it, was this perfected death machine. Yeah. Um, and it was psychological warfare. It, it was it was literally the emblem of suffering and shame. Yeah. And um, and so somehow when Jesus was on the cross, he began to undo the reputation of the cross, not just fix the hurt of people that have been hurt by crosses, yeah. but literally undo yeah. the cross's reputation yeah. um, to the point where today it is an emblem of hope. Yeah. Yeah, love, yeah. And we forget how, I mean, this is so radical. To the people at that time in history, um, it would have been it would have been offensive mm-hmm. to have a cross um, be the center of your worship. Yeah. If you were a non-Roman group, yeah. I mean, even Romans too, but a non-Roman group, and they have a cross at the center of your of your, of your worship mm-hmm. as a part of it. I mean, that's like, a, a, this is very extreme, but it would be, you know, I mean, it would be like, it would be like, you know, the French Revolution and having a guillotine be the center yeah. of your yeah. Um, it would be like, you know, uh, it would be like a black church in America having a noose be at the center of yeah. uh, like this was offensive. The yeah. cross was unbelievably yeah. offensive yeah. and the work of Jesus. And this is the mystery that Mackie talks about. It's it's not just a placated ham. Hey, sorry, hard things happen to mm-hmm. you. He is somehow like pulling on a thread and undoing by taking all the violence on himself. It's like a black hole vacuum. Yeah probably a bad metaphor but it's he's sucking it in yeah. and he's redoing he's undoing all of this stuff all of the evil mm-hmm. all the brokenness um, and there is a mystery in this so jesus is not uh jesus is not he he knows violence right he knows suffering yeah he knows Man the way to is acquainted with grief he gets it mm-hmm. he fully gets the awful yeah. suffering and um and 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 he says give it all to me yeah and I am going to work to undo this. The very fountain of all beauty yeah. is going to work to undo all the suffering. Yeah. And so he literally just says, dump it, dump it all on, yeah. on me. And so I do think it's important to remember even kind of the meta big picture of this. Um, Jesus isn't blind to suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, he ultimately is saying, any heart that wants me, yeah. no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, dump it all on me. And in God's mysterious way, I can't say I understand it, yeah. but he is going to undo its reputation yeah. just like he did with, with the cross. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be, un, it'll be undone. I don't know, man. That's, that's good. Redemption. I mean, that's the word that comes to my mind is just he redeems. He yep. takes something and yeah, changes its meaning, changes its identity and he yeah. redeems it. Yeah, he does. So to those, as we enter into the section of scripture that really struggle with the violence in it, um, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and there are parts of it that it's like, wow, I'm not even, I, I wish there was more backstory. Um, but I do know this, every heart, no matter what people group you're from, no matter what your background is, no matter what mistakes you've made, violence you've had done to you, or even violent things you have done, mm-hmm. if you really do have a heart transformation that wants God, yeah. he, he takes all yeah. of that, all that brokenness, and he undoes it, and you can be truly made new. Yeah. And that was even available to people like Rahab. Yeah. Even at the yeah. most violent times in biblical history. Yeah. 
Um, and so remember the meta heart of God, even as we zoom into these pocket pieces yeah. and these little windowed stories, um, just remember that ultimate heart, yeah. heart of God. Any Amen. other questions or things we ought to cover with this? Man, that's, I think that's really good. It's just redemption. Yeah. And I like what you said about just widening the view, widening the context is we can take a little tiny even verse or a chapter and just see it out of context or not understand the greater story. And in the greater story, like we've been talking about, God is redeeming the whole world. Yeah. And he is doing a way ultimately with with death and with violence and, and bringing life. There is, I mean, and even in Joshua, that yeah, there is this mysterious warrior that shows up early mm-hmm. in Joshua. It's like Joshua 5, 6, somewhere in that pocket. And uh, I'd have to go back and look through it to find it exactly. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, Joshua comes up to him and says, who are you for? Yeah. This mysterious warrior of are God. Are you for us? Are yeah, you are for, for us? Them? Or yeah. are you for them? And the warrior basically says, neither. Mm-hmm. Right. And what he's for is the heart of God. And yeah. sometimes Joshua and his people will be aligned with it. Yes. And sometimes they're going to miss it. And when they miss it, they even incur. Yes. The suffering. Yeah. And uh, and th- that's a and even that is mysterious to me. I'm not entirely sure. I know oh, what to yeah. do with that it's either. Like, wow. Yeah. Um, but God makes it ultra clear. You yeah. do not get a free pass just to kill all you yeah. want. Right. There is an objective good. Yes. And I am working to undo the promised land that's been poisoned right. and you will be with me yeah. as long as you are hard is right. And you're with yeah. me. Uh, but if you veer from that, mm-hmm. you know, the same sword that you draw will come back on you. Yeah. Um, yeah. even like David and Solomon, you know, yeah. building the temple, you know, we just, we have to remember that, mm-hmm. um, this is not open permission to Joshua either. Right. And this is mystery. There's mystery. Yeah. In this. It's who was it who touched the ark? It's like, yeah. that's the, yeah. that's a scary situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where it's like, okay, God is to be feared. And yeah. he, yeah, he is perpetuating what is right and what is good. And yeah. we have to align with him. We don't just get to, yeah. you know, choose what we want and ask him to align with us. That's right. That's yeah. right. Oh man, that's good. Well, um, it's kind of fun doing this this stuff. Yeah, um, it's good. The violence in uh, the Old Testament, and we really did just scratch the surface. There's a lot more yeah. that we could go into. Uh, man, my brain's running with a different roads now, but I'll, <laughs> I'll hit pause on it and uh, and just say uh, before you try to deem God good or bad, um, I would just hit pause mm-hmm. and remember that the big idea in scripture is God is the objective good. Mm-hmm. And the question is, will you join with him or mm-hmm. not? And when you look into that goodness, it's perfect embodiment is Jesus. Yeah. And so if you want to see goodness in its purest form, do not look to Joshua. Yeah. Goodness in its purest form will be found in Jesus. Jesus yeah. is the better Joshua. He's the better Noah. He's the better Moses. Jesus yeah. is the perfect embodiment of it. Yeah. Um, all right. And that's good. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for listening in. It's fun to have this uh, conversation, um, and I appreciate you all, and it's good to even move into the hard sections of Scripture. Uh, man, have a great week, and I can't wait to see you on Sunday.